survey your customer base, ask them what they love about your product or your company, ask them the value that they're getting, and then you'll quickly see the things that we mark as our key differentiators. When we're talking to customers, they will say all of our key differentiators very commonly. So that's sort of when you know you've hit the sweet spot. Welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and I will be both your host and your bartender today. I had a chance to sit down with Carly Brantz, the CMO of DigitalOcean. Carly and I talked about how to find your brand differentiator and then evangelize the heck out of it. If you care to, grab yourself a drink and join me as I speak with Carly, CMO at DigitalOcean. Hey, Carly, welcome to SAS Half Full. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes, you and I have not had a chance to meet. This is the very first time we've ever spoken, but we approached you and I knew it was thrown around to your team a little bit and we're glad that you found your way to us and that we're talking today. Thanks so much. Today, Carly and I are going to be talking about how to find your brand differentiator and then make the most of it. And when we went back and forth on a couple of topics, this stuck out to me, namely, the first part, which is how to find it. Because I have a sneaking suspicion that though many of our listeners who are mostly SaaS marketers, some SaaS founders are thinking to themselves, oh, I know what it is, but do you really know what that is? And are you maximizing that really across all channels um, and across all of the parts of the business? So excited to dive into that. But before we do, Carly, I want to give our listeners a chance to understand who you are, a little bit on your background, and then certainly what DigitalOcean stands for. Why does it exist? So if we can start with that, talk to us about what is DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean has a mission to really simplify cloud computing so that builders and small businesses, startups can spend more time creating software that changes the world. Many digital companies have moved to the cloud and we are supporting their businesses and their growth as they scale through our infrastructure and platform. And when doing a little digging on your LinkedIn, you are no stranger to B2B SaaS marketing. Oftentimes I have guests on that come from a different background and maybe it's their first or second foray into this industry, but you've been living in this for some time. How did you get into the industry? Was it by happenstance? Um, and tell us about your journey to uh, CMO DigitalOcean. Just straight out of college, it was the early 2000s, it was 2000, and it was a rough job market in general. I had the privilege of working as an intern for a visualization software company where I was just doing their marketing collateral, and I found out pretty early that I had a pretty good ability to take pretty technical concepts related to tech technology and sort of translate them and marketing speak so that they could make sense and attract more users. You'll see, I tend to stay at uh, companies for a long time. So I stayed there for about five years. Then I, my next job was at Return Path and that was an email deliverability company and is typical in many marketing departments. Each year that I was at Return Path, they would bring in a new chief marketing officer that person would restructure the whole organization or the department. We would try that out for a year. It wouldn't work out. That person would be let go and sort of the cycle <laughs> continued throughout my seven years there. So I truly had seven different bosses when I was there. 
you know, I did get with all of those restructures, a lot of exposure to different areas within marketing. So for a year I did events and then the next year I did demand generation and then the next year I did partner marketing. And so when I started my job at SendGrid and SendGrid at the time, I think I was employee number 30, I could sort of draw on all of that background in those different various areas of marketing, sort of establish a really strong foundation at SendGrid from the very start. And so, of course, as we grew, we scaled tremendously and eventually went public. And then we were acquired by Twilio. But that foundation was so important. And I could see the opposite was true when I joined at DigitalOcean. They had an incredible product market fit, but they were missing a lot of those key foundational pieces. So I would say definitely in the first year, it was a lot of kind of ripping out and getting the foundation so that we could get the engine working, but very focused on this end-to-end ownership of the self-serve funnel where marketing is the driver of revenue for the company, both at SendGrid and now at DigitalOcean as well. Well, a couple of things we picked up from that, thank you, is the skill set that you have of taking highly technical information and digesting it, putting it out into the world in a way that uh, most people can understand and, and make sense of it. And, and even I would take that further, maybe wrapping a story or creating a narrative around that technology. It is a rare skill set. We are a, a peer agency and the, we only work with B2B SaaS companies. And some of them are very, what we call thick, rich, and chocolatey. And it is our job to distill that, to find the story, create a narrative around it because you can't always lead with the technology. So I can appreciate that skill set. And the second is longevity, people. Carly has stayed in positions a long time and throughout change. There are a lot of folks listening today who are going through tremendous amounts of change within their marketing org, either through reductions in force or restructuring, whatever the case is. They're thinking, oh my gosh, should I bail? stick with it. Let Carly be a guiding light. She's made it. Very successful company, CMO, but sticking with a position even through change. Yes. That's where the learning happens, I think. That's right. So love that. Okay. So when we had talked to you about coming on the show, a couple of different topics, and one of the ones that you were passionate about, wanted to speak to, was finding and making the most of your brand's differentiator. Unpack that for me. Why is this an area of passion for you? We are always trying to reach new companies, new startups. I love that you're drinking wine. I'm jealous. I know. <laughs> I know. I, we didn't get you a cocktail kit. Uh, I don't know why logistically it didn't happen, but I promised her before we hit record that I would send one after the fact, but it's not stopping me. <laughs> yes. No. I love it. When I joined at DigitalOcean, we definitely had a lot of love and loyalty among our developer audience, and that is still true today, but we've really focused on our key differentiators of simplicity, community, and support. So that was established long before I joined, and I think as we've sort of evolved it over the past year, we wanted to expand that to really resonate with our SMB and startup audience so that they knew, yes, you were going to have a simple and easy to use product from the sign up on the platform. The pricing is simple rather than sort of really complicated systems that you might get from enterprise focused cloud providers. 
We had the community with all of our tutorials, thousands of tutorials where you could come and learn. And we have this great support community where you can actually talk to a person. But we wanted to sort of hone in on that and focus on our ability to scale and grow with customers. So that's what we've tried to infuse is still focusing on our key differentiators, but showing how you can really expand and realize your dreams of establishing this digital first business in the cloud. So Simplicity Community Support, how did you go about establishing those three things as the brand differentiator? Because you might know that they exist, they might exist in different forms, different ways, but how of all of the things that you bring to the table as DigitalOcean, how did you land on these three things? And second part of that question, know that these were authentic and true. We are very customer first focused. And so we knew that those are the things that were resonating with our customers. And you can ask developers too. They're always saying, oh, for every site, my company might use some of the bigger cloud providers, but if I'm going to do my side project, I always come to DigitalOcean because it's easy to get started. In the time that, you know, we've been talking, you could spin up a droplet and be working in the cloud already. So we knew that simplicity mattered. We also knew that the community mattered, that they knew that this is some place that they can come and learn different things, not necessarily even about DigitalOcean. And then support, you just want to know that as you're scaling and growing, your cloud provider will be there. And what we saw is with some of the bigger cloud providers, they are focused on these enterprise sort of lift and shift models. They don't care about a small business really sort of getting lift off and taking off. And so we just wanted to hone in on what makes developers happy. So that's one thing that we have begun to infuse in all of our marketing messaging. And we can test it on Twitter messaging and through our display advertising is this idea of happiness. So we have a lot of taglines around happy dev teams make bigger waves. We, our most popular tweet that we've just put out was, tell us you're a happy developer in three words. And so we saw a lot of engagement with that. But if we've learned nothing else during this pandemic is you want an easy to use solution, but you also want to be excited and working with great individuals and with great products that make your job easier. So for those listeners who are with us right now and are thinking, like, I think I know what our brand differentiators are, or I've been told what they are, but these don't feel right to me because maybe they've been told that, you know, simplicity is a brand differentiator, but they're hearing there, maybe they're, you know, CX teams telling them like, Hey guys, implementation's tough, or we're having a really hard time turning on this new feature with our new customers. How do you go about finding that true brand differentiator if you don't know what it is right now? I'm hearing, uh, listening to your customers, ask your customers, or maybe hang out where they hang out. But what's your advice to help find that? I think it's both quantitative and qualitative. So you can always test a lot of your messaging and what's resonating through your display ads, through advertising campaigns, 
through your website messaging. So that's one piece that I would always recommend. And then I am also a big fan of surveys as well. So survey your customer base, ask them what they love about your product or your company, ask them the value that they're getting. And then you'll quickly see the things that we mark as our key differentiators when we're talking to customers and I talk, I love to talk to customers all the time. They will say all of our key differentiators very commonly. So that's sort of when you know you've hit the sweet spot. And when I was talking about this happy developers and resonating with this happiness component, when they're engaged with the tweets that we're pushing out or when they're clicking and opening an email, you can pretty quickly see if you've hit the nail on the head. So two things I, I heard there is test the messaging across your digital properties. And that digital properties means a lot of different areas, but could be ad campaigns, could be copy, could be blog posts, could be website, but test that messaging. And what I'm hearing you say is see which get, what gets the most engagement. And then the second is literally ask your customers and survey them. We started doing this to our clients. We're a peer services business, but I think three years ago, and ours came in the form of what three words come to mind when describing Blast Media. And that was really eye-opening, but it helped us formulate our brand personality and what values we bring because there were absolutely common words that continue to bubble to the top. If you think about the old word cloud that we used to see all the time, there were a handful of words that really stood out that thankfully matched what we felt it was. But then there were a couple others where we wouldn't have made those maybe in our top five, but we're able to lean into a bit more. Have you found in the different organizations that you've been in that you come into an organization and and you're told what the brand differentiators are, the fabric of the company is, and then you get inside there and you're like, not really feeling that. And if so, what do you suggest doing about that? That's interesting. I think, you know, my time at SendGrid, we really scaled. And so I do feel like our key differentiators resonated throughout my time there. What was interesting about SendGrid is we started with a primarily, well, it was a solely a developer audience. We had an API for email that developers would insert into their applications. And then over time, we sort of shifted gears and we had a marketing email solution as well. So shifting that and having totally different key differentiators based on the product was really difficult. <laughs> and it was harder because, yeah, all the tests and experiments and things that we had done over the years for the developer audience, we had to go sort of back to a starting point and figure out what those were. And they were totally different. And even just the cadence that they wanted to receive email or the ways they wanted to interact, they actually preferred more touch and human touch rather than the developers wanted to be hands off. And so evolving and continuing to experiment, I think that is really important to do really with any business. I think at DigitalOcean, we knew, I think that the strong differentiators have continued on from long before I joined. But I do think that you have to continue to figure out how to evolve pieces of that. Like it might be your top three will remain the same, but how you talk about it and how you reach out to your customers, how you sort of provide that value might change over time. And with developers, 
even where they're living, where they're at, the latest technology that they're looking at, if it's Twitch or is it TikTok or where do they go now, that's constantly evolving too. So continuing to test on what resonates. I would say we did a big brand burst early this year. And part of it was we did an esports sponsorship where people are going and playing games. They're playing chess online. And then we have DigitalOcean advertisements there. And it worked really well. That's something a couple of years, if you had mentioned that, I would have completely blown it off. But being open to those kinds of changes too, I think is really important. On the flip side, if you have established brand differentiators and you're growing and scaling as a company, potentially entering new verticals, as you mentioned, or ICP changes, when do you know it's not working? Like, when do you know that those differentiators are no longer relevant to your audience? It comes back to engagement. And so if you're saying the same message, if you're seeing sort of your growth flatline and engagement is slowing down or even just visitors to your website or opens to your emails. I think there are early signs and signals that will tell you as soon as you start to see a decline. And I would say much sooner than that, you need to start testing and experimenting and trying new things. I am a huge proponent of there should always be tons of testing going on every day. Are there new channels that we haven't thought about? their new messaging. And sometimes it's a crash and burn, but other times it's a huge success. And that's my favorite part of being in marketing is that constant experimentation. Most people will automatically go to marketing or when we're talking about brand or brand differentiators. But talk to me about the buyer participation that you need from other members of the C-suite, potentially board. And this is just my hunch and, and interpretation. This is not marketing's job. This is needs to be an organizational mission. So talk to me about who all needs to be involved. Where does that buy-in need to start? I definitely think it has to be buy-in from your board and executive team across the board, especially within the product organization, engineering, that whole, like, as I'm talking about simplicity, that's not just the marketing language and the pricing page that I have. It's also the UI and the experience of onboarding a new client. You had mentioned if it's very complicated getting started or people are getting stuck in the product itself, that is going to deter from your brand overall. And then if you think about customer success and support, all of that needs to be customer focused. And if it's not, I mean, those are the key parts of your brand. So everything from finance, I could think of examples from each executive on the team that they need to be on board and agree that this as a company is our mission. And those key differentiators need to shine through all of our touch points with our customers. You can think about simplicity and then all of the different departments that touch a customer from initial touch point, that is marketing or sales all the way through to renewal. So simplicity in onboarding, simplicity in use of product, simplicity in getting issues fixed, simplicity in receiving and paying my invoices, what that payment structure is on the finance side. So really carrying through that entire customer journey continuum, that same message. So that's literally every department, every person. And I love that you underscored too the product teams. 
is having their buy-in and their understanding of what they're building, what the priorities need to be for that end result to match those brand differentiators. Because one bad experience takes so long to get these brand loyalists and these customer advocates, and then it, it takes years to develop that, and then a much shorter runway to completely destroy it, which is a real kick in the ass that it works that way, but it's so true. Especially I would imagine with the developer community that is such a tight-knit group. Yes, exactly. And I will say our CEO, Yancey Spruill, I have worked with him in the past at SendGrid. He was our CFO. And one thing that he has done both at SendGrid and now at DigitalOcean is one of the first things he does is put together what he calls a SOAP. It's strategy on a page. And we start every all hands meeting with it. We talk about it. We make sure that we're all aligned and it has the mission, vision, values, and the key initiatives. So there's no question on what are our key differentiators and how are we going to measure to make sure that those still are our key differentiators. So through NPS or revenue growth, those things will stay the same. And so you'll have different initiatives to try to impact them, but having sort of your one page strategy, I think is really important to rally behind. So once you have this established and we talked about having everybody's buy-in, you've mentioned different channels. How do you though, uh, as the, the leader of what's being consumed externally, maybe internal comms falls under you, maybe the community side, but how do you then take those differentiators and evangelize the heck out of them. What channels do you use? Or is there a certain way that you measure, monitor that? What does that look like? I would say a couple of different ways. We are constantly measuring all of our funnel metrics. So because we are sort of a self-serve focused business first, it's pretty easy to understand all the activities that we're doing from the top of the funnel to the bottom of the funnel if they're impacting growth, because we're looking at signups every day. We're looking at sort of signups over time through the different channels. And some channels are meant to drive more traffic and lower conversion, and some channels are less traffic and higher conversion. And so making sure to communicate that. And I'm making it seem easier than it is because it's something that is always challenging to try to explain that this channel has a faster ROI than this other one, but both are still really, really important. But we're doing a lot on the demand gen side. So digital campaigns, we're doing a ton through email campaigns. We're also using data science and propensity modeling we have a huge customer base of over 600,000 customers in our base. And so going back all the time, figuring out all the data for those customers, and we've done, it's sort of similar to a shopping cart that's left empty, but we've done modeling where we say our most successful customers have these three products. And so then we take all the customers that have two of the three and we're recommending. It's all about figuring out how we can insert ourselves and provide value. But yes, it's a constant promotion through digital campaigns. 600,000 customers. Let that sink in, people. Yes. If you are having challenges with your 600, imagine that at scale. Now, granted, self-service versus 
not. So we, we take that into consideration, but that is a large data set from which to pull. And also that you can survey and you can test. There are enough of them that even a very small participation percentage yields fairly meaningful results and data for you. You talk a lot about happiness. You've done podcasts about it. Certainly that is uh, one of your missions is to make your customers happy. What is making you happy right now when it comes to what's going on with DigitalOcean? You've had a, a busy 12 to 18 months. But what's making you happy right now? What, what's new? What's going on? It's bringing you joy. One thing that I am particularly excited and happy about is our social impact program. It's called DO Impact. So as part of our IPO, which was in March of 2020, we joined the Pledge 1% movement. And that meant that we set aside 1% of our pre-IPO equity, which was the equivalent of $50 million to commit to doing good through the community, through we have it broken down in planet, philanthropy, and product. And so in April of this year, we launched our DO Impact Program. We did the closing bell at the New York Stock Exchange, and we gave our first round of grants to folks that were doing good and who are users on our platform. So that's something we're just getting started. I think we're going to be doing a ton more, both for our internal employee engagement and giving back, but also just the impact we can have more broadly on the community. Yes, that would definitely make you happy. And I literally just read a, an article in the Wall Street Journal today that talking about how remote culture has created a bigger challenge in employees connecting to a larger mission. So certainly having something like this to get behind as an employer is huge in taking that step and making sure that everyone feels connected, that they're doing good. That's incredible. Love to hear that coming out of DigitalOcean. Is there anything that we didn't tackle or cover that you want to make sure that we hit on in this conversation? No, I think on that same point about employee engagement and sort of connection, it's definitely top of mind for me right now is we've spent most of my time that I've been at DigitalOcean has been in this remote environment. So I do think it's really important to start prioritizing getting people together. We've just locked down dates for our first in real life marketing meetup in early December. And so really looking forward to that human connection that we've been missing for the past few years. Absolutely. It's been so awesome this year to see with our clients, but also just literally people I'm connected to on LinkedIn, getting together for their first, either all hands or departmental getaway. And it just warms my heart because people all in all have missed it very much um, and have been able to connect with their teams in a way that they just haven't been able to. So I, I agree. And that'll be awesome for you all come December. Well, this has been a great conversation, Carly. I appreciate it. I know that you're uh, only joining me with coffee today, but I do ask all of our guests to send us out by telling us their favorite or signature toast. Oh man. Well, I studied abroad in uh, Costa Rica and in Argentina. So I would say, have to say, arriba, abajo, al centro, adentro. <laughs> I've just been using Up, my español. Down. In the center and in. 
And in. Okay. I got it. I was following along. I, I took a lot of years of Spanish. We have not had that one yet. We've had a lot of different toasts in different languages, but not that one yet. So that's awesome. I will certainly drink to that. Carly, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thanks again to Carly for joining us on SAS Half Full. While we were unable to get her cocktail kit, I promise Carly I'm sending one your way after the show here today. Really appreciate all of you tuning in. Thank you so much. And until next time, bottoms up.